0: it's time for lawyers for jesus a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law featuring the attorneys from the law firm malkin baker in downtown chicago malkin baker is nationally known for defending freedom
1: and for serving the people of faith and now lawyers for jesus hello and welcome to lawyers for jesus i'm soren lehu an attorney at the law firm of malkin baker in chicago We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mauckbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. When a Center for Abused and Homeless Women refused to allow a man to stay at their shelter, it was struck with a discrimination lawsuit. We will be talking about that today with Ryan Tucker, who serves as Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries with Alliance Defending Freedom. Ryan oversees litigation efforts to maintain and defend the freedom of churches, Christian ministries, and religious schools to exercise their First Amendment rights. Ryan, welcome to our show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Ryan, we've had uh, the good folks from ADF on our show a couple of times. Uh, but for any new listeners out there, could you tell us a little bit about ADF and the work that ADF does? Sure.
0: Well, we are um, one of the largest Christian law firms uh, in the world, and we uh, have offices around the United States and also uh, overseas as well. And so, we um, our, our main goal really is to keep the doors open for the, the spread of the gospel and. Uh, that uh, includes public advocacy and certainly uh, efforts in the courtroom as well.
1: And, R- and Ryan, you've been involved in a very interesting case uh, involving a uh, a shelter in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, the case is called Downtown Hope Center versus Municipality of Anchorage. Could you give us a brief overview of that case?
0: Sure. Uh, several months back, uh, January 2018, a man uh, dressed in a pink nightgown showed up at the doorstep of the downtown Hope Center in Anchorage. Uh, downtown Hope Center is a uh, it's a soup kitchen during the day and uh, does other services for the homeless there in Anchorage. But at night, it's transformed into a women's only shelter. And uh, this man uh, showed up and uh, identified himself as a, uh, as a woman. And um, it, what's important, of course, to understand here at the outset is um, uh, the man, when he showed up, was actually drunk. Uh, he had also been in a fight and uh, was physically injured. And the, uh, the director of the Hope Center actually assessed that situation. Um, and uh, got him actually to the hospital as as quickly as they could so that he could be taken care of. Uh, he spent the night there and then came back the next day and uh, requested entry again, this time after uh, after hours, when they had already gone through check-in, and, of course, was denied admittance there. Uh, in response, the, the man ended up filing a discrimination complaint, a complaint with the city's uh, Uh, Equal Rights Commission alleging that he had been discriminated against uh, on the basis of his gender identity. And that started uh, the litigation process, which eventually resulted in a couple lawsuits plus the discrimination complaint that he had filed.
1: It's really interesting. So the man um, showed up uh, drunk and in a a pink dress. Um, Um, Now, was he, is he, in fact, um, even today, identifying as a woman, or was that a, um, a, as a result of drunkenness that, that one evening?
0: Well, um, good, great question. Um, you know, today, how he's identifying, I, I have no idea. But um, at least um, as of a few months ago, uh, he, he did show up again at the Hope Center. And the Hope Center gladly serves this individual who is a biological male. Um, and, and they serve him during the day just like everyone else they um, they're open to um, everyone uh, during the day it's just at night that it's a specific um, shelter dedicated to, to women who have been abused who have been trafficked um, uh, raped it, it it's, it's, a, it's a it's a safe haven for the women who have been um, through the most heinous of evils uh, up there and uh, this man does today as far as I know still, uh, identify himself as a female. Although I should say that um, uh, he was known to the to the staff there at uh, the Hope Center. He had previously uh, shown up on other occasions as a man, but um, uh, in recent uh, months he certainly has has identified himself as a as a woman.
1: And so the the Hope Center certainly does really important work in the community. Uh, are there other similar type of uh, entities that? Uh, catered to uh, abused uh, women in Anchorage? Not,
0: not. Yeah, not, not in that area. There's certainly other um, homeless shelters that are um, that, that take in um, uh, everyone, but, but Hope Center has a real um, a, a real focus. It, w- it was a need that uh, came to light uh, a, a little over three, almost four years ago, and um, you know, as you can imagine, the, the, the winters in Alaska can be harsh. And uh, the, the, like other cities on the West Coast, um, Anchorage had had a, uh, a plethora of, of homeless issues. And uh, the Hope Center, like I mentioned, it, 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 it's a soup kitchen. They do uh, job skills training. They wash clothes for people. Uh, They serve uh, thousands of meals annually. In fact, they serve about 142,000 meals each year, about 450 to say 600 cups of soup every day. And so they do tremendous work and they have been doing that work for almost 30 years now. But about four years ago, the city came um, to them and said, we've got a real issue here. The temperatures are uh, well below freezing and we need help. And the Hope Center has a, large you know picture a large um, single room that has tables in it, and this is where the folks can can eat meals during the day. but it was not used at night. and so the idea was was sprung to clear that room and put mats down three to five feet away from each other. and um, the uh, the shelter director has a real heart for women and the women who are are struggling in that community. and she, open the door specifically to, uh, to these women, about 50 women uh, per night. And again, uh, due to the rough nature of, of, of life and the homeless community, uh, almost a hundred percent of the women there have been, uh, through some sort of, uh, uh, sexual abuse. And it's the only one in the city that, that has a long-term facility available for those women. Otherwise the other facilities they go to, they will be mixed in with, uh, men under
1: the same roof. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Soren Alehu of the law firm of Malkin Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit Malkbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today we've been speaking with Ryan Tucker, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries with Alliance Defending Freedom, about his case, uh, the Downtown Hope Center versus Anchorage. Uh, And Ryan, uh, so walk us through, uh, you mentioned that a suit was filed. Walk us through the procedural uh, aspects of of the case. What happened first? Where was, uh, who filed and where did that person file?
0: Sure so the the uh, uh the, the the biological man that uh, was denied entry at, at the facility um he filed a discrimination complaint with the city's uh, equal rights commission and that started an investigation process there at the city uh the hope center in in the in the mix midst of uh, uh, of defending uh, those allegations uh it's it's then lawyer uh uh An allied attorney of of ADFs made a statement to the uh, local paper about the fact that even though this individual was drunk uh, and hurt, that even without um, those being the facts, he still would have been denied entry because he is a biological male. So the city saw that statement in a local publication and decided to double down and file a second discrimination complaint against both that attorney as well as the Hope Center, alleging that um, the uh, Hope Center, through its agent, its attorney, had violated a prohibition on publishing or circulating uh, statements that would imply that this person was not welcome there. So there were two Initial complaints filed by uh, the um, one by the individual and one by the city, and uh, at that moment we came in, ADF came in uh, to help. That 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 second uh, complaint um, was eventually dropped. It was an insane um, argument by by the city, but because we were in that uh, arena of, uh, I don't think folks um, applying the law correctly or thinking commonsensically. Um, we got involved and we ended up filing a lawsuit ourselves because there were several questions being raised and these, these poor women weren't sure if they showed up, whether they were going to be able to allow entry into the facility or not. And the hope center couldn't even post its policies or make those policies known. So we made, um, uh, we, we filed a lawsuit last fall asking a federal court to allow us to even post our policies and, um, you know, to apply the, the law correctly in that fashion. And, uh, in the midst of filing that federal lawsuit, the homeless individual also filed a state court action uh, against our client, and so we were fighting uh, on three different fronts there for a
1: while. And that's amazing. Um, and the the aspect that has gotten the most uh, attention has been the federal lawsuit that EDF has filed. Is that correct?
0: That that's correct. And and uh, you know, I'm 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 pleased to announce that uh, that and others is has finally been
1: resolved. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Coming up, we will talk further with Ryan Tucker, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries with Alliance Defending Freedom, about how political correctness has been disregarding truth and people's rights. I'm Soren Lehu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Hi, this is Pastor McCracken, pastor of the Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Markham, Illinois. For the last four years, Our church has been struggling to overcome the city's efforts to shut us down. In the midst of all of our legal issues, we felt overwhelmed and discouraged. All we wanted to do was worship the Lord and serve our community. We needed a law firm that not only had the knowledge of the law, but the same commitment of the Kingdom of God. The Lord connected us with the law firm of Malcolm Baker. The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have not only provided us with exceptional legal representation and counsel, but have also provided us with the added gift of lawyers who pray with us and seek the guidance of the Lord at every step. After working with Malcolm Baker, we can't imagine working with anyone else. If your church or ministry has any legal needs, please call us 312-726-1243 or look us up online at malkbaker.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Soren Lehu, an attorney at Malkin Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today we've been speaking with Ryan Tucker, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries with Alliance Defending Freedom, about his case called Downtown Hope Center versus Anchorage. And Ryan, uh, you were uh, telling us in the last segment the uh, procedural background of the case, uh, the litigation that took place in in three different forums. And I want to focus more on the federal lawsuit that ADF filed. Uh, What were the arguments that ADF raised in its federal complaint?
0: Sure, well, we had... um first off, it was a, there's a public accommodations law that's in play. And, wh- and what I mean by that is the city had uh, on its books a um, a provision within its code that said, if you are a, quote, place of public accommodation, then you m- you may not discriminate on um, uh, or discriminate against certain classifications. And, and those include, um, you know, the, the normal um, uh, race and others that you oftentimes see. But um, it also included or was amended to include gender identity and sexual orientation. So if you run a place of public accommodation, you can't discriminate on that basis. Um, one of the big problems or, or carve-outs, if you will, of this law is the fact that homeless shelters are actually excluded, along with, say, same-sex dormitories on a, on a college campus. So there's actually carve-outs, the, the, the folks that passed this law and included those um, those provisions, but. Despite the fact that we run a homeless shelter, the Hope Center runs a homeless shelter, the city was still attempting to apply this law. And so, one of the initial arguments we were making, both at the uh, with the city complaint process but also in the federal court, is number one, we're not even subject to this law. And the the mere fact that the city is continuing to pursue this against us shows hostility towards our, our beliefs. Uh, there, there are free exercise um, issues in, in in play here. In addition to that, we were also precluded from from being able to to speak. Uh, the the law itself provided that if you publish, you circulate um, uh, information that would imply essentially that that someone was you know unwelcome. And a lot of this language is just not defined. But if if you um, if you if you you know, merely posted your policy or made that known to the the people that were relying on your services, then you could be in violation of it. So we decided to go on the offense for for these women because there were a lot of questions being raised and a lot of questions we couldn't answer openly, which is not just, um, you know, unconstitutional, illegal, but it's uh, it's just completely against common sense. So we filed a federal lawsuit and uh, the response by the city was that, no, you are um, uh, subject still to our law, that this um, uh, carve out, if you will, that that was on a different part of the ordinance, that somehow that language did not apply to us. And that we should be, in essence, allowing a biological male into a women's only shelter. If, if a male shows up and says, today, I'm a female, then we need to let him in, was the the city's argument. And we, um, you know... Uh, fought that in federal court, and uh, we ended up filing a uh, motion for preliminary injunction asking the court to, uh, uh, to stop that wrong application of the law. And fortunately, in August, we, um, we prevailed on that, uh, on that motion. The, the city also was trying to dismiss our case, saying that the underlying uh, city complaint process should proceed before we even get to the federal lawsuit, but we won that battle, uh, a, a federal judge there in Anchorage granted our request, and that really set in, in, in process a domino effect that, that gave um, the Hope Center ultimate victory, because that win um, was used in the state court lawsuit that the uh, homeless individual had filed against the Hope Center and the rationales in that, in that decision. And then certainly when, when the city saw the writing on the wall, what the, what the court uh, was thinking, then they decided to come to the table and say, uh, maybe we want to get rid of this. And so we um, were able to successfully resolve this case in uh, Hope Center's favor, and the city had to pay our attorney's fees.
1: That's great. Now, for listeners who are not familiar with the legal language, uh, what is a preliminary injunction?
0: Sure. It, it's basically asking the court for an order to stop the, um, the defendant in this instance that the city from from pursuing their uh, their prosecution of, of, of their underlying case against us so we asked the court for uh, an order saying that um, that the city uh, needed to stop wrongly applying its law uh, against uh, the Hope Center
1: okay and um, I want to dive in a little bit more into the harms that the center would have had to carry, uh, the, the burdens that would have been placed on them, had they been required to allow this individual and other similar individuals into the overnight shelter?
0: Well, yeah, I had the opportunity to to go up there and to not just talk to the, the staff and wonderful volunteers there, but I also, during the day at least, interacted with... Um, you know, the, the men and the women really that were present uh, at the soup kitchen, I can tell you that the women there uh, specifically said that it, it, if, if they uh, were forced to sleep um, next to uh, within three feet of a man based upon the prior harms they've had, they'd rather sleep outside in the woods, in the cold, in Alaska than sleep next to a biological man, uh, even the mere sight of a man in that room with them and uh, in, in that single room. Um, would have caused tremendous harm just based upon what they, they'd gone through. And so the Hope Center was not in a position to be able to, to, to provide that safe haven for those women if the city or the court had required that we do so. And so the Hope Center was prepared to actually, unfortunately, shut down that particular aspect of its ministry if it would have been required to do so. But fortunately today, they prevailed, and the Hope Center's doors are open, and we don't have that issue.
1: That's great. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Soren Alehu of the law firm of Malkin Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit malkinbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our religious liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today we've been speaking with Ryan Tucker, senior counsel and director of the Center for Christian Ministries with Alliance Defending Freedom about his case, Downtown Hope Center versus Municipality of Anchorage. And Ryan, uh, ADF litigated another uh, high-profile case at the Supreme Court uh, called Harris Funeral Homes. And that also involved gender identity issues. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that case and how that case would uh, inform um, cases like the one you dealt with in Alaska?
0: Sure. yeah, just recently, um, uh, John Bursch, uh, one of our, um, our head of our appellate team here at ADF, argued the, the harris Funeral Home case, and that case involved a uh, funeral home that had been around for over 100 years. It's a fifth-generation family and business, and uh, there was an employee there that uh, had been working uh, at, the, at that facility, had been uh, providing care for, for people um, in their most desperate time at the loss of a loved one. And one day he told the owner, uh, Tom Ross, that, uh, that he, the next day he was going to, um, show up basically dressed as a woman and, uh, had, had told him that he was now identifying as a woman and that, that did not, um, that did not just, uh, not just sit well, but it was, it was problematic in, in many regards It violated their own, uh, dress code policies. And so, um, You know, he he eventually left his employment there and filed a discrimination EEOC complaint um, alleging that he had been discriminated against. And the argument was that uh, included within the term um, uh, sex uh, that that somehow under federal law that also included uh, gender identity. And so that case, which originated in Michigan, uh, worked its way through um, the court system uh, and eventually made its way to the U S Supreme court where we are, are now, um, uh, patiently waiting, very hopeful that, uh, the, the court will uh, rule in the funeral homes uh, favor. But I think what that underscores, uh, that case along with others is the fact that this is a, a war on uh, women, quite frankly, and, um, we're doing everything we can to, um, to, to assist in that fight. And, uh, I'm glad to report at least, uh, um, you know, certainly in cases like Alaska and elsewhere, we're, we're winning that battle.
1: And the implications of these cases are are pretty broad, aren't they? Uh, affecting uh, women's sports um, shelters, uh, as your case uh, dealt with, and uh, employment laws. And so we're going to be following these cases uh, really closely. And um, great success to you and ADF in, in the Alaska case, which I'm sure will be Um, used as precedent or or cited on many occasions. Uh, Ryan, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about this case and ADF?
0: Sure. Uh, If they go to adflegal.org, our website, um, they can learn more about uh, ADF there. And uh, there's some drop-down functions and abilities to search for uh, these various cases and the work we're doing.
1: Ryan, thank you for speaking with us. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at MalkinBaker. You can reach us at 312 726 1243 or at MalkBaker.com. That's M A U C K B A K E R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm Soren Lehu, attorney at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
0: have to save somebody. Yes, indeed, you're
1: gonna have to serve somebody.